B-Jack. Yes, sir. There's got to be a reason I... why you're not coaching in the NFL, right? You've turned it down. You said it's not enough money for the time that you'd have to invest, and your beautiful bride says she's not going to be separated from you again. Yeah, well, for for me personally, there yeah. was a number of reasons. Right. Um, you know, it was I had, you know, was raising three children, right. and I grew up single parent. Right. And, you know, we're both from California. Right. I just wanted something different, so right. I, I did not want to be, you know, and, and talking with it was a great conversation I had with you know your your Redskins great, you yeah. know, now it's the Commanders, but he was there with the Redskins, Charlie right. Casterly, right, and we had a, a very in depth heart to heart talk. I want to say almost 10 to 15 years ago, I had did an internship and, you know, he was telling me some of his own personal things that he had, you know, uh, went through, uh, you know, as far as being part of the game. And we know how successful Mr. Cashley was. And I have tremendous oh, amount yeah. of respect and admiration. Jazz, for him, jazz is a beast, no question. And, and uh, you know, so it's one of those things that I personally did not want to. Now, I've done coaching internships. I've done I want to say almost 10, 11 of them on, in, in initially, but I had promised my kids that I was not going to miss any of their games. And a lot of people, and it's no knock on coaches that are part of it. I have coaches for the Ravens that I, I personally know and are their kids and my daughter, who you obviously know I'm, yep. I'm a big fan of and yep. play softball at Georgia Tech. My oldest yep. played softball. Uh, Junior played baseball at Towson, started at Towson, and, <clears throat> yeah. and then finished at Stanford, and, and so on and so forth. So, but I didn't want to miss those moments. I because I know the toll that coaching has on families, and that you're out of the house all the time, and you're on the road, and and every staff is different. Like we've heard the horror stories of, you know, when John Gruden was in, he slept in the office, and he expected his coaches to sleep in the office, and then. I know one of my first internships I did was with Coach Tony Dungy in Indianapolis in training mm -hmm. camp, mm -hmm. their Super Bowl year uh, for training camp. And, and he was big on eight, eight nine o'clock at night, you know, guys get out of the house. Bruce Arian was the same way that, you know, in Tampa and, and in other places. And Mike Tom was the same way where, you know, you better not, you'll get in more trouble if you miss family activities. Now that means you're going to end up probably coming back to the office at nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock after you put the kids to bed. But you know, there, there is something to be said right. that you, right. you should not be missing your kids events. And I, and I've always said this, you know, you and I have joked about mm -hmm. this in all yeah. the years we've been doing media yeah. is the NFL isn't going anywhere. So, you know, now in the last, my, my baby girl just graduated, at, you know, in 2022, this is, I've been doing scouting internships and obviously, as you know, I've been helping with the senior bowl and I'm an area scout and, you know, exploring opportunities, maybe on the scouting side. And, you know, I've talked with Marty Herney uh, and Mark Mayhew, who uh, who have stayed on staff with Adam Peters uh, down at Commanders Park. And so Marty Herney brought me to Carolina, you know, way back in the day when I was a free agent coming from Baltimore to Carolina mm -hmm. with uh, John Fox and, and Jack Del Rio. And he's been, hugely influential in trying to get young former uh, black players uh, involved in scouting. And, and you know this because you played like mm -hmm. a lot of guys don't really know there's an avenue for former players in the scouting side. Uh, the executive director, Jim Nagy, from the Senior Bowl, who actually started the program with Phil Savage, uh, started it, and Jim has expanded it, and the NFLPA has now been a part of it uh, with Roman Odin and those guys. 
of getting former, you know, players that in, in, in general and then former minority players involved. Uh, because a lot of times, you know, you're, you're good enough to coach, but, you know, there's a stigma that you're not good enough to build a team. And I, I've built, you know, successful businesses and sold them to, <laughs> to a venture capitalist firm. So, um, and I did everything from making the sales and the phone calls, the hiring, the firing, the training, and all the above. And, and, you know, when you're part of this game, you know, you it takes skill. That I don't have all the answers, but you know, you can look at a guy and see whether he can do it or not, and then what his limitations are. And that's the thing that I've learned from Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl, and uh, you know, last couple of years of scout school. So, if there's any of your listeners, I know there's a bunch in the DMV that are former players that have an interest in getting into it. You know, the stigma when we always saw you know, Scouts Doc was, they they were looking for our replacement. Mm-hmm. So we never really, you know, messed with them. We didn't really like them cats too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ozzie Newsom used to say, walking around the building, you would see, oh, you know, in, in the cafeteria, and it'd be, you know, me, Ray Lewis, mm-hmm. and Jamie Sharper, and Cornell Brown, and, and Peter Bulwer, you know, all the linebackers eating together. And you'd be like, hey, what's up, oh? And he'd always say, looking for your replacement. Mm-hmm. So, they're, you know, you never really liked Scouts because you always figured they were on the road. Uh, but once you realize and understand that it is big and the game passes all by and, you know, there is an opportunity, you know, for, you know, former players to get into scouting because if you can play the game, you obviously should be able to do more than coach the game. Uh, and that should go apart with, you know, what John Lynch has been able to do in San Francisco. Uh, and then hopefully Adam Peters will bring some of that, you know, to the commanders where they'll get some more former players involved. I know Brad Holmes is doing a phenomenal job of that uh, up in Detroit with what the Lions have been doing and building uh, with Dan Campbell. Um, so hopefully there's there's more opportunities in teams. Uh, but for me personally, uh, it was the fact that I wanted to be home with my family, my kids, and not miss their childhood uh, and miss the, the games and the recitals and all that. And I was fortunate enough, you know, from my playing time and, and obviously doing media work and television and radio uh, and still being able to be close enough to the game and, and fortunate enough to still do, you know, get my football fixed and, and learning, as I call it, my continuing education uh, throughout a number of internships uh, with different teams and organizations. Well, looking at this staff that is now assembled here with the commanders, uh, looking at the defensive side of the ball, an area I know you favor, what's your initial, what's your gut tell you as you take a snapshot view of this snap of this staff yeah it's a good staff i mean you know uh ken norton jr what can you say i grew up obviously mm-hmm. as a fan of ken norton jr uh you know when he played with the cowboys and, and obviously he's done a phenomenal job when he was in seattle with the legion of boom uh he's very intense ryan kerrigan he's homegrown so you know i, I thought that it, there was you know good for them to, to keep you know ryan around i know he, he's done a tremendous job uh, Daryl Tapp, you know, obviously the Hokie from Virginia Tech played the game. Mm-hmm. He, I, I love the fact that they were able to bring former players. And when you look at Jason Simmons, the defensive pass specialist, mm-hmm. and Willie Gay, I mean, those are two guys that played the game as well um, at a high level. So, you know, there's a thing to be said, and, and this is a reason why, and I'm going to be candid, you know, I, I don't sugarcoat things now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in buildings where there have been, and I've walked into those rooms, and the position coaches there were threatened and they were old guys 
They never played the game, and they were guarding their bones, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, because once I walked in as a former player, I had walked the fire. And there's mm-hmm. not, that's not saying every coach that has never played the game don't know what they're doing. But what I'm saying is I'd rather go talk to me uh, about, you know, you getting a med- some medical treatment, or would you rather actually go to someone who's actually been in the fire, went to school for it, learned it, and actually worked on people as far as you getting some type of treatment medically. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I know football is not the same as our brave women and men that are in, you know, healthcare and work in hospitals and, and God bless all of them, you know, helping to save lives uh, each and every day. But, you know, so there's something to be said that having people who've understood it, there's too many of these coaches out there that read a book and they go to a coaching clinic you know, they're all rah-rah, they got the slick back hair, they can they can talk real fancy, they got the little scruff face, whatever you want to call it. And they've never put on a helmet. So you don't know what it's like when you get your bell rung, you're seeing Tweety Bird, and you still got to turn around 35 seconds and go right back to it because you got knocked down, you got to get back up. And you got 10 other men looking at you to just, you know, figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to respond to help them win. Like, there's something to be said for having had to play the game at some level. Uh, That's not the end-all, be-all, I know. But to me, there's a certain respect level. And you see the more successful teams that are employing having guys that actually have been in the fire to work with these young players and talk to the young players. And especially now with this generation of of knuckleheads that are in the NFL, you know what I'm saying, (laughs) like where it's all about social media, it's all about the likes. You know, it's a league of – entitlement versus a league of accomplishment right now. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you got a whole bunch of followers and you've been in the league two years and, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but, it's, you know, a quarterback out in Arizona, mm-hmm. you know, you, you unfriend the team and you start going in a baseball cage and saying you want to play baseball and the team is like, oh, my gosh, we got to give you $162 million and you're below 500 and you're 24, 25, and 1 as a starter and we ain't never won a playoff game. Well, I, I want to see some accomplishments before we can give you some of those paydays. And, and unfortunately, right now, the league has transpired. And I think personally, my own opinion, I could be wrong, you know, opinions, you know, we we know what they're like on yep. our body part. We yep. all got them and they all stink yep. sometimes. And, uh, you know, I think and there's a lot to be said of a lot of the people that are running teams or coaching teams that have never been in the fire and so they either cowtail or their knees a buckle at the first sign of, you know, a little trash talk, a little guy, 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 you know, rah, 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 what we going to do versus, you know, okay, you know, you want to unfriend us, so what? Come make some plays. You know what I'm saying? We don't need to cowtail to you. And maybe, you know, you're worth the money eventually, and but you need to earn it. And so I think it's good when you have those coaches that have been in a fire that can kind of rein in those guys and kind of like a Ken Norton Jr., you know, Willie Gay, uh, Jay Simmons, Dale Tapp, all these guys, Ryan Kerrigan, they are all highly successful players in this league and earned a good living because they accomplished a lot of things. So I think that's going to bode well for Joe Witt, the D.C., and, and obviously that defensive staff. And, and on the same side with the offensive side, I mean, Kingsbury obviously has played. We know he's had some success. And obviously, you know, he was able to do some good things. He had some good quarterbacks. 
Uh, that's obviously something the commanders have to fix, you know, and what I think they would have the third pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. So obviously second. quarterback is going to be mm-hmm. second pick. So mm-hmm. obviously Adam Peters, you know, it, it's going to come down to right away. Do you make the right pick at quarterback? Uh, and, you know, Bobby Ingram, who was here in Baltimore, great dude, awesome teacher of the game with wide receivers. I, I think personally, I'll say it, Bobby got a, a bad rap here in Baltimore. He was a, a very good teacher uh, and obviously played the, the game uh, mm-hmm. at a high level. And I think a lot of the media and a lot of the blame on what wasn't happening with the wide receivers that were here was unduly put on Bobby. So the addition of Bobby being down there is going to bode well for the commanders, mm-hmm. you know, no question. And That's Brian Johnson, you yeah. know, we know what he was able to do last oh, yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year he kind of struggled. Last year he, he, he had Jalen Hurts being, you know, an MVP candidate in this mm-hmm. league and then Anthony Lynn – you know, he's the OG, K-9. you know, former K-9. successful head coach. Yeah, yeah he's an OG. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's a K-9, you know, D-O-double-G dog, mm-hmm. you know, play the game, coaches the game. He's going to get the most, you know, uh, out of those running backs. And as a run game coordinator, I mean, he, he's phenomenal at doing those things. So I think the staff that has been developed by, you know, by, by DQ, uh, you know, is it, going to be a staff that right away they're going to come in and demand excellence. And I know last year there was some whining and crying from some of your players about, you know, Eric Bieniemy was too hard on him and he was too rugged and rough, which I don't understand when you get when you guy comes from a winning place. In our day and age, I wanted to follow and find out what they did to win, and when we got a, somebody <clears throat> from them, yeah, he got set up. We though. followed that. Yeah, that was an inside we, we job, that. but he exposed so, him. He was a martyr. He took the shots, but it opened it up. Took the shots. He took the shots, and it had to happen. But I, I'll, I'll never forget him, love him to death, because it exposed a lot of people in our environment. They can never reverse. They showed me who they are. See, now yeah, I know who they the are. And now, the building. Yeah. And the culture in the building. Oh, the, yeah, the co- yeah. Some of those players that Adam Peters and, and this mm-hmm. coaching staff in DQ, they're mm-hmm. going to go find out who they are. They're going to yeah. find out who's a pit bull and who's a poodle. And That's that, right. There's, unfortunately, there's a lot of poodles. That's oh yeah, rating as football players walking around mm-hmm. Commanders Park. Yeah, and, we had you some know, chihuahuas. Don't there, even you know. don't insult yeah. the poodle. We had some chihuahuas. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. No, it so, was the greatest uh, thing yeah, that so goes on. Now they expose. They hated Eric for what he represented, and the same lot of them was praising Joe Witt now. And I'm going, right. wait a minute. Thought y'all didn't like that. So this is what I'm saying. They speak with forked tongue, you see, and they don't know what they want because they become so accustomed to losing and losers, and and it's such a it's such a trick bag. Hey, look, Jack, appreciate you, man. I um, I can't thank you enough, man. It because I need you to help educate this market because they've been sold a bull to bull manure, and again, we hired dude that was fired. The dude that's fired brought all his people with him, and they all got fired again, and these people don't understand. They bought into that. And then we got a guy that was from a championship environment, and they can't stand him. That's what I'm telling you. I've literally seen this and heard it with my own eyes and ears. And I'm going to myself, I wouldn't have believed you couldn't have convinced me of this, but I saw it, and I heard it with my own eyes and ears. And now I know 
you can't even believe some things you hear and see nowadays. So I want to see how they yeah, walk I this mean, one back. Well, yeah, and 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 again, you, I was there. You know, Jack Del Rio mm-hmm. who was down there before the veteran camp when I saw yeah, you at, I was, at Park yeah, last year, and, yeah. and I was shocked. And I even said that to you then, like, yeah. you know, the the level of the environment of what was going on and amongst the players and how they were reacting to getting coached hard. Like you always wanted coaches that coached too hard because that that meant that they cared. Yeah. And, and like I said, you always, when we had Shannon Sharp and Rod Woodson, when I came into the NFL in Baltimore, when they came to Baltimore, like they had won championships and been to a Super Bowl. Yeah. With Shannon. So whatever Shannon Sharp did, Mm -hmm. we followed whatever Rod Woodson said to do. We followed because They had been to where we wanted to go, but in this day and age, when you get a coach that comes in mm. and they've been a, a winning and and probably who is on his way right now, he's still got some work to do, but having coached and been around the Andy Reeds and, and the Patrick Mahomes and all the success that they had, and he comes in and he's showing you how their practices were. He's going through and doing the same exact things that he was doing when he was in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and then you have players that are in a losing franchise that are revolting, going to their agents, pillow-talking with the media about how he's mean and he cusses at them. And, but meanwhile, in their cars, they'll, they'll, they'll listen to and, and rap to more of the same, if not worse, lyrics and call each other the worst names. Mm-hmm. But then when Coach is trying to get you to understand you know, what it is that we need to do, not about him, but what we need to do for us to be successful and to change the culture. And then there was the pushback and all that. I just, I thought it was disingenuous, you know, like I know I've had rough coaches. I've had great coaches, but I know that every coach that coaches you hard, I played basketball for Bob Huggins at the university of Cincinnati. (laughs) And we all know how Huggins Bear was. And there's not a man to this day from Nick Van Exel the Danny Forts and the Kenyon Martin, that anytime Hugs has any of his situations, we all are there. We 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 love Hugs and we know exactly who he was. But we understood why he was coaching us so hard. And we understood what it meant. And it's no different than what you have in the NFL. A lot of people sit here and they look at Andy Reid and his success. Well, you know this. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, in every building, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls that are listening to your show, there's a good cop and a bad cop. Mm-hmm. There's a good coach, and then there's a coach that's going to be the guy that's on your tail. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just inevitable in everywhere you go. And because you have to have it in order for the machine to work, you can't have a whole bunch of nice guys. Because then you don't have those moments, as we see in a lot of these big games, especially in the playoffs, when you get punched in the face, how does the team respond? Yeah. Right? When there's that that toughness, people talk about being tough. They they can the coaches can go up there and tell the media, "Oh, we're tough. We're a bunch of good guys." And well, at some point in time, you have to have players, and you have to have a coach that will turn around and dig in a player's butt to get the most out of them. Because just when you think you've done enough or you've gotten far enough, it's that coach that digs down a little bit deeper in you that pulls out that little bit that will show up in January. And it shows up in February in the biggest game of your life. In the second half, it allows you to make a play or allows you to fight through some adversity to be a world champion. 
And that's what I think a lot of this younger generation's players, they don't understand because from the seven-on-sevens to the high school to the social media to the college to the portals, you know, to the NILs, where it's all about what are you going to do for me, coach, versus what can I do to get better? What do I need to do for us to be better as a group? And and I think a lot of that has trickled, unfortunately, into the National Football League, which is why you see, you know, Steve Wilkes, you know, get let go. I mean, and you see, you know, players come out and, and Julius sees him. I saw Joey Bosa come out and, and say some words about, that they were underprepared. You and I both know, even if it is true, partially true, whatever, you don't publicly come out and throw your coach out under the bus. Because Steve Wilson come out there and say, three of the biggest plays in the second half of that Super Bowl, two of the Pat Mahomes run, the fourth down run, on the RPO and then the touchdown, Joey Bosa was undisciplined and didn't keep his lane integrity and allowed – Pat Mahomes to get out on the edge and run for a first down and, and throw for the game-winning touchdown because you're trying to go down and make a play on the run fake versus staying outside and keeping you in the box. And even Tony Romo called it out a couple times in that game that we all saw where, okay, Bosa doesn't stay outside. Pat Mahomes is able to make a play. He gives him a little head fake, and then he's able to get outside and make a throw. So a coach can easily say and do those things on Monday or after a game and be like, well, player such and such didn't do what he was supposed to do. But that's not what we do as men. We all understand there's no perfect call on a call sheet, like Marvin Lewis used to tell us. It only comes down to to perfect players preparing perfectly and going out there and and trying to execute as perfectly as possible. Brother, you've been preaching. And we're going to pass the plate around because you just just scalded. (laughs) And we all know the worst thing you can happen happen to a team is to be divided. The 49ers are highly talented, and they are divided. And a house that's divided will eventually fall. They will eventually fall. Brad Jackson, you are a gift. Thank you so much, brother, for sharing with you. We're going to be calling again. I know we got to raise some more. I'm going to take an offering up after this. And we'll be calling hey, on you hey, again. Listen. <laughs> hey, anytime for you know I got you. Um, y'all take I appreciate care. you, man. God, God bless you. Thanks for having you me. You are yet. the man. You see what I'm talking about, young fella? This is what my generation brings to the table. Yeah. See, y'all got Google. <laughs> see, but we got we got some dogs. That is the original canine. <clears throat> Brad Jackson, Raven, world champion. Let's take a break on that one. 